Are you feeling a bit animated? Well, come on over to the Wicked Anime Podcast on the Nerdy Show Network, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to animation, Japanese culture, and all things anime. With a true industry perspective, we're always diving deeper than school uniforms and tentacle monsters. Join us on the Wicked Anime Podcast, nerdyshow.com slash wickedanime. It's Wicked A! The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom. From comics and video games to science and technology, if it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. I'm Boar. I'm Trench. And I'm glad to be back in the Nerdy Show studio doing a regular Nerdy Show episode. <laughs> How novel. It's, weird. It's That's been weird. a long time. Uh, <laughs> um, hopefully everyone out there listening has enjoyed the uh, strange series of interviews and travelogues that we've been posting over the past month and plus <laughs> um month and plus month and plus and there's been plenty of things that uh that we haven't that we haven't covered that, that have been happening so we're gonna take it on right now what's everybody been up to while i've been gone uh, i bought a switch finally oh shit yeah I'm, i finally hopped on the switch train or switch track that sounds better i, <laughs> I hopped i hopped on the switch track and uh i, I got i got zelda i got mario odyssey and I got uh, Mario Kart because I, I skipped over Wii U. Mm-hmm. So you got like the three games that are like worth getting. Yeah, right well, now, and because that's all that's there. Well, and Splatoon two. That's debatable. No, it is not. Oh snap! There's about to be a fight. controversy. <laughs> but I finally understand all the times you're talking about Korok seeds and shrines and, and shit. Like, <laughs> I, I know what you're doing now. I know you're just out there expanding your inventory. Welcome to 2017. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> do you, do you enjoy it? Uh yeah. Um, you know I've been traveling a lot for work, so mm. taking the switch with me has been extremely convenient for that. Yeah, it is the best. Yeah. I mean, I I love traveling with it. Me Are and the switch and a big old that? battery pack can handle any flight. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question, Trench? He asked if I was playing footsie because I was moving the cable off my <laughs> oh, foot. Oh, oh. Well, you guys haven't seen each other in a while either, so yeah. it's all understandable. It's got a lot of, lot of pent-up We've got to reach across the, the table and hold hands for a couple minutes. Mm, you got Until long, someone... long hands. Want <laughs> 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 <Can> to explain? <laughs> there's, a, there's a very recent development in our collective lives, and that is that... In our lives. As of like 15 minutes uh, ago. Yeah. As, uh, well, I mean, for me, it started last night, and that is uh, Neil Cicerega, a.k.a. Lemon Demon, who we've talked about on the show before. He's kind of a nerd internet celebrity. He, he recently posted this this bizarre like meme thing where f- the, the service Filmstruck wants you to post images of four films that have defined you and in, with the hashtag Filmstruck4 or something like that. And he posted four clips of Tommy Lee Jones, you know, the actor from The Fugitive and from Men in Black uh, in very strange situations. And what I interpreted to be a Japanese canned coffee ad, which in fact it turned out to be for a company called Boss Coffee. Well, yeah, he's the coffee boss. Is he? Is he known as that? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know him as that. Commercials describe him as Alien Jones. Yeah. If, if you <laughs> if you go to Japan, 
You see him everywhere. Oh, so when you went to Japan, you experienced this. Yeah, this was like seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Um, well, starting in 2006, Tommy Lee Jones began a, um, uh, a coffee commercial series that I think may still be ongoing. It's hard to tell. It's been, it, it's got to be like one of the longest running ad series centering around like a single actor, like outside of like, I don't know, the Dunkin' Donuts guy. The mm. Dos Equis guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, even that's, he's, he's got to be have longer than the Dos Equis guy. Longer than that by this point. Yeah. I think the meme has lived on longer than his ad campaign. Yeah. <laughs> at, at this point, <laughs> uh, yeah, probably for has. Sure, Absolutely. So My this dad has a half life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this like mini Japanese ads is ha, has a relatively plot centric like sitcom kind of thing to it, and Tommy Lee Jones is playing an alien that's taken on the visage of Tommy Lee Jones and is in Japan doing menial labor, and then you start to realize that he's been on this planet a long time, and it's there's not really a plot and it doesn't have strong continuity exactly but you'll see him doing some menial job with this narration that's not his voice at all looking extremely stoic and then he'll crack open a a can of rainbow mountain blend and it shit just happens um it's like they're little it's almost like they're little tone poems about hard work <laughs> and what it means in today's society yeah and little brain droppings. And every now and then, Tommy Lee Jones will get laser eyes or build a force field or destroy something with super strength or grow gigantic ears or something you wouldn't expect. And every now and then, Tommy Lee Jones will actually speak in Japanese, which is very weird. But there, I mean, it's a del- it's a delightful rabbit hole that I fell down for at least 30 minutes because there's tons of them on mm-hmm. YouTube. And then and then Doug found this other thing, which apparently has been memeing a little bit Yeah. Um, for a product. What's it called? It's a gummy candy. Um, I, I can't pronounce or remember some of the nests. Something gummies. Yeah, and there there's like short gummies, and there's also like foot long gummies, like like more than a foot. It looked like, two, like two, uh, a yardstick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was it? Fruit by the foot, like fruit roll up things, but but, but elongated. It's, yeah, and like it's, like you know, they normally candy they, not. They normally just, come in like little uh, short strips, like the size of a starburst. And I guess the novelty is that you can tear them in half to share with somebody, I guess is the idea. Uh, almost like a Kit Kat gummy, which is weird to say, but I guess it's true. And there's pink and whatever. Then they're de- debuting the new long one. And the long one's like, Trench says, like, what, like, what is this? was that like a yard? No, yeah. it, it was like two or three feet. Two or three. It's, it was at least like two or three feet like this because he was swinging it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all that stuff. Um and yeah, uh, it's been making the rounds online, and that one has a very consistent story. It has a, a very serious plot that goes it, up and it's down and all around. Basically, you watch it all together, and you can watch it with subs like in, in its entirety. And it, it's it's like a little, it's like a full length Adult Swim. Like it could be, it could be one of the late night Adult Swim things, like Too Many Cooks. It's basically the same length. Yeah. And and it's I st- I, I watched the first installment of it, and I thought, well. You know this sure this this is no Tommy Lee Jones. I almost feel like this is like the first commercial uh, series that we don't want to talk about spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we shouldn't. We should. I should say it starts soft, and you'll be like, whatever, and then it starts it gets to get long. Really, it gets it gets long and has really strong continuity and tells you a full story by the end of it, and it doesn't ever go where you think it's going to go. No, a lot of uh, symbolism. A lot of uh, <laughs> yeah. symbolic, yes. subliminal stuff. And there's a you know there's a good chance that Wicked Animes cover this on one of their shows. There's a very good chance they've touched both these things, but I I don't know for sure for certain. Um, but I, we'll either way we'll link to them on this episode's page. The I candy may- thing maybe I think I remember seeing Evan or one of the guys post 
I actually think I may have discovered it from Flame On's page. Really? I think so. Oh. So it might, it, I'm, hey, if you've heard this on the Nerdy Show Network, if you're a more avid listener than we're capable of being, then sorry for old hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's new to us. <laughs> well, how about you, Matt? What's up? Oh, shit. You're going the opposite direction than usual. Um, okay. So I have been mostly, you know, a continuation of the last time I was on, just focusing on myself i mm-hmm. uh, started going to counseling like two three weeks ago um doing that trying to get the rest of school finished up um i've got a i'm building a uh, tabletop campaign in sagas nice awesome that is uh, i've got a lot of work on that still to do um fantasy so, sagas modern sagas uh fantasy I'm pulling a lot of inspiration from uh, Lord of the Rings and um, some from uh, World of Warcraft. Um, I'm going to do a charity stream next Sunday, the 29th. Do tell. Um, what, what, what do people need to know about that? Well, I'm still working out a lot of the details because I've been meaning to do that. Like I've been meaning to set this up like all month, but I've been just slammed. So other than it's going to be next weekend, the 29th. Uh, I, I haven't worked out everything else yet. What's the charity for? Uh, it, April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be for sexual assault awareness and prevention and awesome all that stuff. How about you, Doug? Carrying on work like normal, getting ready for the tax season and getting ready for all that fun stuff. And <laughs> what? Wait. Finished. that, that tax season. Did you file an extension? Hopefully you're no, done. No, no, no. We did. It's a. It's complicated, but we did. We fi- we filed it on time, but then like uh, the marketplace sent in and said, oh, by the way, you, you also get this. And it's like, you know, this is late, right? <laughs> like this is, and we were told, it's again, we were told one thing and then the mail says another thing. So we have to go back and we're going to make adjustments. I was going to say, yeah, so you know, fun, you fun. know, you're a little bit behind. The oh, time, no, but. I know. Yeah, no, but we were like prepping for it because it's, we've always had trouble like every year. So it's like, all right, we think we finally got all of our ducks in a row. And then uh, the healthcare end of it was just like, no, no, no matter I how much you I did think plan. that was really weird on Facebook when I saw it pop up, like Doug is in a relationship with taxes. Yeah. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So wait, is this is this extra complicated taxes because of Nina's immigration status? No, it's just it's just the government. Yeah, it's because because we got our health care through the marketplace because we were poor <laughs> and we need the cheapest health care coverage possible. I, I got health care through the marketplace. Yeah, it's and every, not- every year for whatever reason they 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 screw it up and they don't deliver our 1095 A's on time and we have to file without it. Then we have to get the letter from the IRS saying, hey. Why don't you have the proper paperwork? And then we say, because they didn't send it. And no one believes it. <laughs> and, then, and then eventually we get it. And then of this time... not. The government not doing things in a timely yeah. manner? Who would ever believe that? Not to mention, this is, the, this is the second year in a row where they sent it to our old address that we haven't lived at for over two years. Oh. Huh. So... That's and, really weird. See, if you get health insurance through your employer, that question comes down to, do you have health insurance? Right. Yes, I'm done. Right. Except, like, except for me to get that's it. That's all I had to do was say yes. For, for me to get it through my employer, it would cost even more out of pocket for me. I know, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, why is it so much more simple? I don't know. And it's <laughs> it, it, uh, that and, um, oh, and when, so I went to H&R Block and they were like, oh, well, that's crazy. But they were nice and stuff. And then they mentioned, 
wait, you talked to them on the phone to try and change your address for the past two years? I'm like, yeah, every year this happens. I call them like three, four times, and I say, you're not sent to the right place. And they always, I hear them clickety-clack on the keyboard, and they change my address. They say, don't ever do it over the phone. You have to send in a form. I'm like, what the fuck kind of form do I have to do? Oh, it's actually called an, uh, an 8822. Here you go. And they had to give me like another document. All The sole purpose of this random-ass document is to... Create a paper trail that yeah, you did it. that I did it. And it's just like can anything go right <laughs> can anything ever go right with any of it but um but it's you know it's not the end of the world it's just frustrating because you think it's at least going to end on the 17th it's nice to know that even over 30 years later the crippling bureaucracy of terry gilliam's brazil is still in full effect in the modern world yeah someday well, you know it's gonna be... like the, at this point we could automate the entire process of doing oh, yeah. your taxes the only reason it's not is because it would completely eliminate the tax preparation industry Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm. I'm very aware of that, and uh, I want people to have jobs. But uh, boy, I think that uh, I think that this reform should happen, and that all those jobs should be eased into other jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Certainly, people. See, now, now we're going into a place where I'll go off on a rant about universal basic income and how we should just eliminate all pointless jobs. Hey, man. I might not have long, long <laughs> arms, but I'll high five you over that one. <laughs> Here at the opposite end of the table, though. I'll, I'll spare everybody the rant, but. <laughs> well, we've had we've I'm, had very anti-useless of- job. Yeah, uh-huh. I'll say uh, and semi-related to the commercial uh, up and down uh, the story arcs. Um, the thing that surprised me about the Tommy Lee Jones one was that it was one it was about the coffee and and it this is like the second time, second or third time that I've seen other countries try to do a story arc with a coffee brand, but then it's now obviously with candy and stuff like that they're doing or whatever. But it seems to have originated. I don't know if I've talked to you uh, about this cap the. Um, the Gold Blend commercial series starring uh, Anthony Head from uh, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame as Giles. I know that that's a thing, but I've never seen it. It was a wild success in England, so much so that America copied it with Taster's Choice, recasting the same two actors but giving them American accents. So wait, there's somebody whose name is Anthony Head? Yeah. From no. Buffy. Giles from Buffy. Yeah. Oh, wow. That guy is really lucky that his name wasn't Richard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, his middle name is Belzen. Or, or not. <laughs> Are you serious? Or, no. <laughs> because, wow. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, the, I fell down that rabbit hole on YouTube uh, a couple months back of watching all those and trying to find them because there is a full it's like a soap opera like it's intentionally like if you miss one you're like what the hell's happening what's going on but not in a funny sense but in a way that they were actually trying to recreate like a romance with it and people like flip their shit over it in like the late 80s early 90s so i went on this like quest i have to hunt them down on youtube and i would find them and then i would save them and then they would get deleted I'm like fuck and then it get re-uploaded <laughs> so then i since they kept on getting deleted i just downloaded them as soon as i found them and i even made my own compilation i'm missing one commercial but i think i've got like 12 out of the 13 and uh Wow, that is a yeah. uh, that's an intense quest, Doug. Yeah, because they it literally looks like a soap opera. Like you'd think you're it's like they film it with this quality that looks like a thing, like like a like a TV show, like you just interrupt it halfway through and then it ends on a cliffhanger and you're like, What? And then all of a sudden the logo comes up and you're like, Oh fuck, and then it picks up right where it left off and continues. Whew. Okay. <laughs> so it started I guess I'm I'm wondering if that's what started the fad. And Maybe. because they've Maybe. they've redone it in Italy, they've redone it in Japan, off clearly, and and so on and so on and so on, except now the format's changed to where they're no longer focusing on the romance part. They're doing it with Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> wow. Doug and I had a great time at North Carolina Comic-Con Oak City, mm-hmm. uh, which we haven't talked about on air. We'll eventually be talking about it on a future episode of Lightning Dogs, yeah. but that was a great show. Yeah. Um, I, 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 and I 
for the longest time was saying I hate conventions. <laughs> it's like I like meeting uh, people that are into the same stuff, but I hate walking through a giant mall all day on non-carpeted floors and uh, and bo and and all the negative stuff that comes up. But this was actually totally awesome. This was a great experience that changed my opinion on a lot of uh, convention contrivances. And why was that? Because of the people involved and uh, because it was small and it was focused on one particular thing. It wasn't just like, everyone buy stuff, buy your (laughs) t-shirts, buy your lunchboxes. This was like, this is a comic convention and people here to meet the creators, talk to artists, get commissions and just geek out over really specific And cosplay as Homestuck. <laughs> there, there, there was a couple of homes. There's a guarantee. <laughs> always. Um, but, and yeah, people were cosplaying, but it wasn't, it just so wasn't about buying shit. I mean, yeah, there's stuff where you could buy stuff, but that wasn't like the focus of the convention. It wasn't just about moving bodies through the thing. Like it was really focused on the content, which was cool. I, I actually was like, wow, I kind of want to see all this stuff, but I can't because I'm stuck in my own booth. But it was rare because like we went to MegaCon a couple years ago, like back or At whatever. At this point, it's like probably four years ago. Yeah. And I just remember being like, I don't want to be here. There's nothing here I want to see. I'm, I'm sick of this. MegaCon has turned into a hellhole. Yeah. So it, it ruined it ruined conventions for me. But, it used to be nice. Yeah. And even, <laughs> even the Star Wars Celebration, which is cool in its own ways, there was a lot of stuff I'd like to see, but it just overall, too many people. It was too big and too much about... This T-shirt you could only get here. It, wow, only at Celebration. Am I right? No, <laughs> no. It's on the internet twenty-four hours later. No one cares. Damn it, Kathleen! Stop your shilling. Yeah, the, yeah. The shilling aspect of most conventions is something I just I I I don't enjoy. But this one was very different and a, and a heck of a lot of fun. I would like to go back. Well, hey, lucky us. There's two North Carolina Comic Cons a year, and we will, in theory, as far as I know, be going to the one in Durham in October. Or November. In the fall. It, it made me think of like, wow, when comic conventions first started and they were held in the basements at the Ramada Inn because nobody wanted to just hide. We don't, no one wants to see you, <laughs> nerds. No, we don't want to have just the regular folks. Get your don't stink know out of here, here yeah. basement dweller. <laughs> Go back in the basement where you belong. That's like, it kind of had that feeling of like, oh, when it's a small group of people, there's a camaraderie more than just. The, the throngs of, of, of nerd culture just moving through nonstop. Yeah, interesting about North Carolina Comic Con is, is that it is, like, there's there are small conventions. It is not a small convention, but it is comparatively a small convention to the, the pop culture clusterfucks that, um, that are, I guess, are sort of, like, driving certain parts of the industry right now. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a good show. It's a focus show. It it's sounds a fun like a good show. band name. Pop, cl- pop culture clusterfuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feel free to take that. <laughs> we'll play your music on the show, I I'm, think. I'll learn how to play an instrument. Okay. <laughs> Do that. The kazoo. <laughs> Jaw harp. <laughs> and and then I went to LA um to some State of the Empire stuff, which unfortunately kind of fell through, which has been chronicled in State of the Empire. Um but also had a good time. Saw Isle of Dogs at the uh, the new Wes Anderson movie at at the Academy of Motion Pictures, and saw Jeff Goldblum in the person being in being Jeff Goldblum, which was a lot of a lot of fun. He's a charming, peculiar man. I also saw Jay Z weirdly at a vegan Mexican restaurant. <laughs> okay, that's kind of that's a weird. Yeah, it was, it was weird. It was like crazy for this one, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just in passing, and 
the prior episode of Nerdy Show we did was me in Nashville talking to Colin and Luke about the stuff I did there. So that's been chronicled extensively. But one thing we didn't mention was Ready Player One. Has anyone else seen it? Negative. No. no. I've been kind of intrigued. I've I've got the book, but I've never read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I had extreme reservations about the book, and I had extreme reservations about the film. It's It had every chance to be extremely pandering and is at times, talking about the book here specifically, but I was we we did a nerdy show book club episode about it, which you know I'll pass everybody on to for a more extensive discussion about this this pop culture scenario of like we're in the future and this guy started a contest and he was obsessed with the 1980s, so now everybody got obsessed with the 1980s the world over because they were all obsessed with winning this contest that would take you know ever you could win his empire mm-hmm. and lit and go into this virtual world and the actual world's a dystopia and and it was weird because it took this uh, pop culture. F- fanboyism thing and made it like actually created a <laughs> an explanation for it that validated everyone quoting stuff all the time in this weird pissing contest of oh i know this thing and i know this thing um and there's lots of reasons that it could be that it could be done poorly but it was actually like i had fun reading it and the movie i was really apprehensive about because steven spielberg i feel should not be directing this film that's so narcissistic hmm. like the, the book was done as a love letter to many of his properties. So why then should the guy who did those properties be the one? You need to have the gaze of the person who grew up loving that, not the gaze of someone who's like uh, in a in a state of aerobarous like self masturbation, like wanting to shed that part of their uh, their their career and move on to more serious stuff. <laughs> right. So what? How the fuck did this happen? So I'm not sure. I had a lot of concerns about that. Um, but the reality was is that the film the film is not perfect by any means, but it was fun and it did um I had no regrets in seeing it. Uh there was I, I genuinely laughed, I genuinely enjoyed myself. It was a more uh user friendly, general populist consumer version of the plot and certainly like more action centric. But you know, I don't know if you if you I assume most people have probably seen the trailers for this. Like, yeah. they're very poorly done trailers. You don't have any idea what the plot is. And they just show you action sequences with, like, here's here's the Back to the Future DeLorean, like, cascading through a bunch of, like, inexplicable wrecking balls. There's the Bigfoot monster truck. Yeah. And what I what I was really surprised by is that when they do these these action sequences, these fully CG action sequences throughout the film, they are... They actually have a good sense of drama and a sense of stakes and a sense of energy. And the way they're choreographed is like well beyond what's normal for a major motion like summer blockbuster kind of thing. Like Marvel has a really big problem with doing these huge action set pieces where nothing's happening. And like you know the good guys are going to win, the stakes don't feel very high, and you're lucky if you get something that's not a featureless uh, field at late afternoon. But this was... They, I don't know who they pulled in for this, but Spielberg must have pulled in someone specifically from the video game industry to direct and choreograph these sequences because they are unbelievable. Like this is a very this is some of these sequences are poster childs for like here is why we use CGI to build these sequences because this shit is impossible and we can do anything and the camera can be anywhere. Hmm. It's like everything that was wrong with Final Fantasy The Spirits Within is done correctly in this movie in terms of computer animation and scenes in computer animation. I was under the impression that the only thing Final Fantasy Spirits Within did wrong is call itself Final Fantasy. Well, that that is the number one thing for sure. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing is that they directed that. it they directed it like a film. They didn't like it was the at the time like the most 
insane uh, CGI film project that had ever happened. Mm-hmm. And they, when when there was an explosion, they'd shake the camera and have characters wobble around like it was fucking Star Trek, the original series. <laughs> so at no point did they take advantage of the medium they were working in mm-hmm. ever. I mean, I think they were trying to fool you into thinking you were seeing real people, though. They were, to a fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Sure, sure. I just think that that's, there's an entirely different goal, whereas, I mean, I, I would be curious to find out if Spielberg did direct any of the action scenes and something like this, where if it camera's zooming around so crazy. I mean, he he did do some awesome stuff in Tintin. That's true. Tintin, Tintin so. was, you know, you're right, Doug. I forgot about Tintin. Tintin was exceptional, and if you haven't heard the news, I'm happy to say the sequel is coming. It's happening I think it's like 2020 or something, but we're going to get it. The Peter Jackson 1010 follow-up. Mm. Cannot freaking wait. I mean, really, lock me in a cryogenic freezer because <laughs> 1010 is one of my favorite like film experiences still of like the past 10 years or whatever. Really? Uh, I you still haven't like seen it. it. Some criticisms that were leveraged against Ready Player One um, were about the, um, w- I think, what Max Acree may have called weaponized nostalgia mm-hmm. when talking with him about it on facebook i've seen i've seen him and um call of cthulhu luke having yeah and i i totally understand because there's there's one critically important thing that the film could have spent just a couple moments on that would have helped everyone get in the vibe a lot more and that is that they never once implicitly stated that the world of the future that that this film is taking place in was so impacted by the um this game, this contest to to win the keys to the oasis, that um, that the in, entire like world sh- like shifted into fanboyism of the 1980s, that 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 was a thing, the cultural thing that happened. It's it swelled up and affected the world around them. Because in that world, there's 1980s Doritos bags. Like that's all Doritos bags are Doritos throwback bags. Like that's just a thing, um, and so. And all the people rattling off pop culture and so on, like, it is very shameless. And it is, like, winking at the camera and being like, hey, recognize this, recognize this, recognize this. But at, it's all actually, like, validated by this small sliver of plot that created this, you know, cultural sensation that, that sort of made that the norm. So and, my understanding of the whole thing, having not read the book or watched the movie, is just, like, the real world is so shit that the only thing to do that is worth doing is to go into this video game world yeah. where everything is the 1980s. Not exactly. Um, it's not that everything is the 1980s. It's whatever you want it to be. But it was specifically like needing to have working knowledge of the interests of the creator of the game is so critical to winning the contest that everyone, the entire world thought this could be me. I could win the lottery. I could get out of this shitty life because everything's everything's terrible. Well, has that been like from day one? Has the contest been ongoing or has it been like? Because my only having seen the trailers mm-hmm. is it's like this world exists and then the guy who's been running it all of a sudden dies and his death is the thing that triggers the the contest. Right. Yes. It has. So it hasn't. It the contest has not been on from day one. Okay. It's been it's been from his death. Is a surprise announcement thing. Is the dude who runs the oasis before he dies? Is he like philanthropic at all? Like, does he like help these poor people who live in trailer parks stacked a mile high? I believe from the book that's a thing. Um there's a lot i mean it's been at this point years since i've read it but i mean i guess i should just read it if i had these questions but it's like <laughs> if you if you have the short answer if you like i'm trying to understand how the world he works in the future he seemed like a nice dude though a little bit aloof from reality mm-hmm. um so 
yeah but but basically like that's that is why the the world of the movie works the way it does and they never explain it so it just seems like the movie is pandering to you violently mm-hmm. and i get it but like it's so dumb they could have just included one simple line because clearly like clearly that's a thing in the film but they didn't do it um so that might be the key to enjoying the movie um yeah i guess i'll say that now pacific room 2 also came out and that's a movie that i'm likewise skeptical of because though john boyega famously said i'm not doing this film unless they get it right i don't really know who john boyega is as a person i know that i like seeing him on screen i know that i like seeing him talk but like i don't know that i like his taste in movies so if (laughs) i've only i think the only thing i've seen him in is star wars so i'm curious what you know what does getting it right mean to john boyega is Pacific Rim 2 not being directed by Guillermo del Toro, not being written by Travis Beecham, could it possibly be good? Well, you know, and the final product may not be the same film he agreed to make. It might not be. though. Am I, he, am I the only person that's seen it? Yes. Oh, what the hell? Um, I, I thought you guys would be a little bit more interested to go out and see it right away because, like, the first one was so awesome i gladly would was it were it not for these other mitigating factors of everyone that i everything that like i felt embodied why the first one was good Mm. not being a part of this production oh well i I can't tell you that i thoroughly enjoyed pacific rim 2 it was sort of a i mean it was definitely a sequel it took place after the first one The, the rift was still closed and they're they're just trying to like live in this post kaiju society and trying to rebuild the planet and make it you know, normal and habitable again. And, and it sort of follows, uh, John Boyega's character is sort of like scavengering. Uh, like he's like, he was a Jaeger pilot, but like, well, he's supposed to be uh Pentecost's son. Right. And he's just like, there's that whole hero worship for his dad from society. And he's like, wants no part of it. Right. Yeah. Like he's, he's the son of, uh, of the famous Jaeger pilot that helped seal the rift and you know he was in the jaeger training but at some point he was like why am i doing this and like i'm just gonna go have fun it kind of follows a a, a him and a, a group of like young jaeger pilots um that he gets sort of pushed back into the program and he becomes like their mentor and uh you know they're they're, they're still prepared for kaijus to come back uh they've got like they still got a bunch of jaegers they're still maintaining them they're just kind of sitting around collecting dust and they're you know doing lots of simulator work and they'll show them off every now and then um but at the beginning of the movie like nothing's going on pretty much like they there's not the constant threat of like oh crap we have to go there's kaiju's coming mm. um so so that that's really interesting and then i i really don't want to give away much more than that because uh the way that the threat comes into play is extremely interesting Hmm. and like the the real like villain and the real threats are like not what you would think they would be interesting so uh, i don't want to go too much more into it but it'll surprise you and and i thought it was amazing like kaijus do come back but the way that they come back is like crazy Okay, and, it, and it's not just like oh, and the rift opened again randomly. Like that's that's not it. Like stuff that happened in the first movie comes back and pays off stuff or whatever. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do we do we get more of of the world of the kind of like uh, Charlie Day and uh, Ron Perlman like world that was so compelling? Ron Perlman isn't in it, but uh, Charlie's in it, and the the other scientist guy. Uh, I forget his name. Uh, 
but the two scientists from the first movie are very much a giant part of this movie and no uh, pun intended am i right <laughs> because everything's large well now yes. I, having having heard what you've said now i have a guess as to but i kind of like do i want to make that guess like on in the, case in case it spoils it yeah in case i'm right well, there were a lot of fan theories swirling around beforehand and one of them might have been close to correct the other thing is there's uh there's another faction that i didn't mention is trying to replace jaegers with drones so there's no more drifting like they're just going to replace them with Jaegers that can basically just be remote controlled. Do, do they say like uh, this doesn't make sense there there's no way to have an analog Jaeger and we should just have all computer Jaegers anyway and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I analog. I love the first film but there <laughs> It's stu- but it's a stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I-, I never understood the whole like, oh, your brain can't handle controlling a whole Jaeger. That's why we have to split the load between two people. Like, I, I don't get that. But like, you just kind of have to say, okay, and, and move on with it. Um, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, the drone Jaegers could be controlled by one person. Because okay. the artificial intelligence is the second person. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a little bit of actual giant robot news uh, lately, and not good. Yeah, I've only I've only seen this. I haven't looked into it a whole lot. Just the whole uh, Megabots is bankrupt, and is what uh, Matt Cavalcanti is the last one. I'm I've actually never been sure which one's Matt and which one was Guy. Uh, but yeah, it appears. So Megabots, the giant robot fighting competition thing uh, that we we're all quite excited about. We've interviewed them in the past. Uh, you know, it got to the point where the the fight actually happened. We were all a bit like nonplussed by what happened. Yeah, they turned it into a live stream event that was a you know live stream that was a broadcast of the recording they made, where they basically did giant robot WWE. Yeah, um, it was not thrilling, and uh, I think it really could have been if they would have edited it down to about an hour. Yeah, if they would have just like kept it fast paced and like showed just the action and maybe cut out even parts of the fights (laughs) like it's it could have been extremely interesting i think yeah the thing that kind of annoyed me from the get-go watching it was the first 30 minutes was basically like promo trailers for each company that we'd all seen already Mm -hmm. and it was broadcast here at 10 Mm o'clock yeah like i get what they were trying to do but if they wanted to like get people's interest and get people hyped about it, they should have. Well, you they, know, they promoted it and hyped it like it was going to be a live, like you like know, a, like, like a live like a event. Yeah. yeah, like not a, not a scripted, you know, scripted thing. Yeah, and which I guess is why they wanted to do most of it mostly uncut, where you have like a lot of the downtime where the robots are just kind of there and they're. Just no, I mean, like I think that really hurt them more than anything. Sure. Oh, else. sure, sure. I just think that that like they mistakenly thought, let's see if we make this like a pay per view event. It'll seem like a legit sport thing, which is what they would dream it, of it yeah, becoming. No. But nerds don't really. I mean, there were some sports. really, there are some really cool moments in those in those fights, but like you had to watch a lot of stuff to get to them. Yeah, like yeah, and uh, like at one point the announcers almost got killed because <laughs> <laughs> um, the robots got too close to the announcer table and like they demolished but that it. That was but, so. Like, that was like the worst part of that because it was so obviously scripted. Like, yeah, <laughs> a lot, of, and they're like he's grabbing like some of the lighting girders. It's like oh, it's perfectly sized right there for him to grab. It's you know. I'm pretty sure, th- but like I said, they could have edited that into something awesome. Sure, sure. 
you know, or at least like say, hey, uh, the, the here, just take that and make a trailer out of it and say, hey, this is uh, the like fight they could have just hyped up well one of the drivers as being like psycho, like this guy's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what he's gonna do, and it's like then have the driver go crazy, and be like, I must just, de- I am the machine, I must destroy humanity. Who could stop me? And then the other robot has to be like, I will stop you and save humanity. He's Certainly. a real loose cannon. So, oh no, he's breaking out the loose cannon. <laughs> so you're saying if they're gonna make it scripted, you should make it like professional wrestling. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's, that's, yeah. if they great. had promoted that and like that is what they hyped the entire time, that would have been great. But it's yeah. not. Cut, cut to like pre-recorded supposed quote-unquote insert shots of the inside of the cabin where like electricity courses through the pilot's body <laughs> and he's just like i am one with the machine now he's got circuit boards on his face you know it's not what i wanted but i would have been like all right yeah let's do it say hello to a new era of mental health care cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100 percent online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I mean, great. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, uh, and who would have thought that giant robots would not be sustainable financially? <laughs> yeah, it was a risk to begin with, but now it's now it's even riskier because um, if there is to be any kind of future in what they've built so far, um, it it's down it's down it's down to one dude, as Trench said, and he has no staff. There's yeah. this very sobering uh, YouTube video you can watch. So, yeah, I almost feel bad because it's like he's like party clown level of like somebody hire me to do stuff with this giant robot yeah i mean and like there was a dude who is you know basically his his brother in arms there and he's not there and they're not talking about it like i don't know what happened but yeah maybe or maybe a genuine falling out or maybe he's like he's like no reality check man you're living that you're living in a dream and we got it we got to just say no you know that's possible too who knows but i don't know like it's just each of those robots is so much more expensive than the battle bots Yes, and, and they yeah. couldn't justify the cost difference because watching BattleBots is so much more interesting. I mean, couldn't, couldn't <laughs> they have done? I mean, this is all, hindsight twenty twenty, and ha- these robots were basically halfway built before they even announced they were going to fight. Right. You know, yeah. But like, part of me wonders, like, if they'd said, "Hey, hey, l- all right, our dream is to make it big, but what if we did it at half the size we're talking about? Our dreams are." You know, yeah, like, and like, then like, hey, maybe we should take the pilots out of it. Yeah, so we take, can, yeah, so just we for can... the first one. Yeah, like it's like pe- people liked BattleBots on you know like when they're. Have you seen the new BattleBots? It's, some of it's fucking crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, so like they t- removed a lot of the restrictions and they can like use flamethrowers yeah. and all just this other stuff now. Human sized BattleBots. Well, yeah, also, already I'm sold. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I don't need the giant one. In popular culture, what has happened most recently is films like Real Steel and uh, Big Hero Six, which highlight how awesome 
battle bot scenarios can be when they yeah. are remote controlled like in yeah. in but with you know with technology it's a little bit more like you know not, not a Roomba with a chainsaw you know when we we were at GMX several years ago and there was a little battle bot stage with uh it was like an it was like a big shoebox made of like clear plexiglass and stuff and they had robots going in there and two robots enter one robot leave and uh there was one that I remember I can't remember the name of it but I ha- probably have it some safe somewhere took a photo took a video of it they took a, a hard drive like the the motor that spins the hard drive and they just attached a buzzsaw to it and it would <laughs> and it fucking destroyed and then like part of it like kind of broke loose so it like it was like a gyroscope went off balance <laughs> so it started buzzing around unintentionally like the tasmanian devil inside this box up and down and up and down banging on the roof and coming back down it was insane sparks going everywhere there was there was it was on a wooden platform the wooden chips were flying around inside this box it was and that's, what, that's what people want. Yeah. It was like robot on robot carnage. And that was amazing. And then, but if you blow it up and it's really huge, then it's kind of slow and, you know, and, yeah, and they can't, they can't really, I mean, no, 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 humans can't really like kill each other in it. Which, but I, I really like that idea though. Like, cause all we need is battle bots with different weight classes. Yes. Or not, not only that, but going back to like, you know, the fact that it's expensive, mm-hmm. they didn't want to go ripping arms off of it or, you know, being right, like, right. you know, destroying the robots. And right. it's just like, that's the whole point and you're not doing it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, he shot a paintball. <laughs> and it didn't, didn't BBs. Oh, he, he shot a BB he gun. He slowly at. knocked him over. That's going to take him a little while to set back up. And I understand <laughs> why they wanted to, to have the pilots in it. But yeah, if they weren't like... I don't know. Like, just do it half size. Like, make make. No one wanted to destroy the thing that they put all that work into. Then <laughs> why are you fighting? You know. Then yeah. like, then have make a small half sized one, and then destroy that. You know, make it easily repairable. You what, know? what they should have done is if they if they didn't want to fight in them, maybe they should have uh, had the the robots just practice diplomacy with the, their human counterparts inside. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like just have like uh, have put a, they, down your arms, sir. Japanese they, tea drinking ceremony. They, they stand behind a podium. They just like they you know they they speak very. Uh, uh, gregariously about some so subject that's important to them and raise their arms up and down and maybe if they get really angry they they pulverize that podium into splinters but otherwise you know that's, that's know all they want to the do the fight is what people want to see but it would have been interesting if they said oh you know what we can't really do a fight because it would they're still too fragile at this point so here we'll do it in the meantime is we're going to have a giant field full of scarecrows that represent an oncoming battalion of people like running up the hill and we're just going to run through and just like and have mortars going off and all this other just something that would be a spectacle you know something that would be huge and crazy something you wouldn't see you can't see a robot actually mowing down people that'd be crazy but uh if you simulate it and make it funny that would be fun yeah We've got some good ideas here. I think we need some funding for battle, b- better battle bots. Mm-hmm. Just call it better battle bots. <laughs> yeah, let's just B-B- do that. B cubed. B cubed. So oh, send shit. all your money. Uh, we'll start up a Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> we we promise it's not a gamble. <laughs> I'm gonna tune in a year later. It's like we we don't know how to build any of these robots. We'll get inside the cardboard box for God's sake and just Roomba <laughs> with knives taped to yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't specify they'd be made of metal or controlled by <laughs> electronics. It's like the episode of The Simpsons where Homer's wearing the robot as a just a costume and he's fighting them. He's getting, awesome-o. getting stabbed. <laughs> Something else that happened recently was Lost in Space on Netflix, which I've seen the first uh, episode of. I actually don't know how many episodes there are. Bor, you've seen... I've watched like six or seven. Yeah. Something like that. And I, I loved it so far. Um what, what did you think of the first episode? It has really good production value. 
Um, but I'm not sure I'm going to keep going. Really? I, I was, um, there's, there's, there's things that intrigue me to see where it goes next. Like the first episode focuses specifically on the Robinson family uh-huh. and, uh, the adjacent characters like Dr. Smith are not implemented yet. You see that you get a tease of them at the very end, yes. which was compelling. Uh-huh. Um, but there's a thing that's been happening recently where people want to do a revival of the heroic science family archetype but i feel like in the 21st century no one really knows how to write that correctly like i recently finished reading the uh dc comics revival of the jetsons which is a six-part miniseries written by jimmy palmiotti and uh it started with a lot of promise like things like um the the jetsons grandmother is dying and she puts her brain inside the 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 rosy body which is a oh, procedure boy. that's offered by the the competing company of cogsgrove or whatever it is you uh, mean Space Sprocket. Cog- so Cosgrove is the company. Yeah, right, yes, yeah. yeah. So that was that was really great. That was a short story. It wasn't even a full comic. Um and I was I was very compelled by this like discuss you know, like here's this this Jetsons comic having like subverting our expectations about the robot made and um uh and in talking about like life extension via cybernetics and sure that's what she wanted. She wanted to live forever as a robot slave. Well, she's not a she's not a maid. That's not that's not the thing. She's not she's not a maid, but she is a grandma. And grandmas, you know, cook breakfast for their grandkids. That's what that's like. I mean, a, they're taking know. the Rosie robot into a different direction in the comic, in yeah. the sense that she, that her role is more like a member of the family. Oh and not no, yeah, it's like she's, she's not a maid. Okay. in this book, okay. she's not a maid. Yeah, I've only that's the only part of that I've seen is the whole like you know grandma gets her brain put in a robot body and it's basically like she's having this you know second you know life rebirth type thing where she's just more more like Edie in Mass Effect. Yeah. Okay. But when the the actual series kicked in, it it everyone was a little like too perfect and and they all like this 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 very white science family were just. They weren't even like an extension or subversion of the the values. I of think that you'll find that that uh, when you watch a little bit more, they're not anywhere near as perfect as they appear. Well, that's that's the other thing with Lost in Space. It has that, and everyone's yeah. very good at what they do. And like the mom's a scientist, and the dad's a, like a, a military dude who's very good at his job. And Will doesn't handle crises very well, but he's extremely smart, and the other kids are great. Um, with, you know, but they all have flaws. They all have big flaws. It seems like the family almost like broke up before eventually going on this, you know, inevitably disastrous colonization attempt. How much of the robot was in the first episode? Um, he meets the family. Okay. Uh, and I, the, the thing was though, is I felt like all the, the family drama, them all like hating each other and flashing, then flashing back to, um, like what happened on earth and all that it's fine but it reminded me a little bit too much of lost it's like lost but in space (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah no it's 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 not i mean the if you take that flashback aspect sure that that sort of works as as a comparison but find that it's flash the the difference between (laughs) lost and lost in space is that lost was terrible and this one is not well, but Lost Lost <laughs> was Lost was extremely compelling <laughs> from the first feature length episode and had some of the best single episodes in television history, but on but by the end of it was a terrible narrative. I mean, I disagree with a lot of what you just said, but Okay. I thought it was terrible from the beginning. Well, but but that's just me. <laughs> but like there there are there are a lot of things about it to like, but uh, there were the problem is they they're like everyone's so smart this is all like very very like in the vein of hard sci-fi but then they'll do a bunch of really stupid things that i couldn't come to terms with mm-hmm. um and like there's a there's a character that gets stuck in the ice and so they go to get some magnesium to like 
to try to burn them out of the ice because they're like they're frozen in place, but they've got like diminishing oxygen in a, in a, in a spacesuit, and um, they just they just they just put one spot of magnesium down and then just like then just dig at that and like not like create a perimeter around the body in any kind of logical way. And there's just all these things that are like little things, little things that I or like for example, like Will's climbing up a tree and he's doing it in a panic, but he doesn't re- rec- you know recognize this gigantic thing on the the second branch that he's going to that like you totally would have noticed was there. <laughs> it, it, it's a lot of like weird obvious stuff that I'm like, come on, like there's so much about this that is working. The production value is so high. Um, and it's clearly you want this to be a smart show, but everyone's behaving rather dumbly. Hmm. I think, um, I think maybe you need to give it a couple more episodes before a final judgment. Yeah. Um, like I, I found the robot extremely compelling in this one because hmm. I, I feel like in the other lost in space, he didn't, the robot like come with them from earth or something. Are, are, you, are we talking about the film? The movie. Yeah. From like. 10 plus years well, ago. Well, there's the movie More and like then there's the original show. I, I, I haven't seen the original show. Like, I, I don't I've remember. I've seen episodes almost, of it. I don't remember the, almost anything about it. I have seen some of it, but. I don't recall if the original robot was an Earth robot or if it was an alien robot, but the one in the movie was from Earth. Yeah, it was, it like was their protector robot. Right, right. Built right. It. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But this one, the robot's an alien that they find. Right, right. Which is cool. Like an alien AI. Yeah, I, I like think it's guy. a really cool take on it. <laughs> Mass Effect in space. Um, and there's there's Mass some Mass more Effect interesting in things dog. about the robot that I probably shouldn't say anything about. But um, yeah, I, w- I would give it a couple more episodes because uh, like Dr. Smith obviously hasn't stepped into it yet. Yeah. And e- everything that happens like a conniving bastard, just like the uh, <laughs> any other incarnation of Dr. <laughs> Smith. All that stuff that happened in the past, in like the last five minutes of the sh- the first episode, were the most compelling parts of the entire episode. Yeah, and I felt like they they took something that could have been, it shouldn't <laughs> that I was like, I was just not interested in this family drama at all. And yeah, I I actually kind of felt similar to how you feel at the end of the first episode. I was like, I, I don't know, that was kind of good, but I, I'm not sure. And I gave it a couple more episodes, and and I was hooked. Okay, well, I that's it's worthwhile. I do. I am pretty curious about what's going to happen with Doctor Smith. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, so so that's that's that thing. I haven't checked. I've been meaning to watch it. I know Dan's watched some of it and has liked it. It hasn't been around for that long. It's only been like what a week. Maybe <laughs> I don't even know. Time is still. I'm still catching up to what exactly has been happening in the world in sequence from all the traveling. <laughs> um. Uh yeah so so has anyone been playing God of War is that have you guys touched that yet I definitely have yeah I I got it like immediately and, tell me everything and I've been playing it a lot so uh one of my favorite things about the new God of War is that um they didn't get the original voice actor to play Kratos this time around they got Christopher Judge who was Teal'c on Stargate SG One? I remember we were talking about this. It's like it's a shame they're not going after the Egyptian pantheon. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean they might in a, in a future game. That's awesome. totally totally possible because they've um, in this game they they have actually established that Kratos is the Kratos from the other ones. He's not like some parallel version of Kratos. Mm-hmm. It is the same guy. Like he did jump from one pantheon of gods to like a completely different uh reality i guess um and it is acknowledged that he was once a god or still sort of is so he's definitely the same guy um the graphics are just insane 
and um, the gameplay is a lot different from from the other games. Like it's not as button mashy as uh, you no know, QTEs, or are they still got those in them? There's an occasional one, but they're very downplayed, and they don't happen all the time. Like every time in previous games, like if you would grab a monster and like rip it apart or something, you would have to do a full quick time mm-hmm. event, otherwise it would fail and the monster would still be alive. But this one, if you get to the point where you can grab the monster, he just rips them apart, like, and you don't have to do a bunch of nonsense. Um, but the difficulty level is a little bit higher than previous games. Also, like it. I actually had to turn the difficulty down, so I wasn't so frustrated. <laughs> like Monster Hunter difficulty sort of things, like like um, strategy or like or just or just how I much would say it's more like for. Dark Souls. Oh, okay. Like if you if you turn it up too high, then you're just gonna have a bad time because it's not fair. Like, like <laughs> it's a one hit kill on you, basically. Like oh yeah, I definitely experienced a couple of one hit kill uh, moments. You're supposed to be a god of war. Yeah. <laughs> you get scratched and you go, uh, game over. <laughs> Things have changed, Doug. He's got a kid now. But uh, Christopher Judge did an amazing job uh, voicing Kratos. Uh, I really loved it. There's some, <laughs> there was even one SG1 Easter egg in there, which I was like, oh my God, he said it. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's some moments like that. And uh, the, the combat being different is is, is the, the biggest part of it for me. Uh, instead of having like the, the Blades of Chaos where he's like dual wielding these cool like chain mounted wrist blades, um, he he has just like this axe <laughs> he's just got like a one-handed axe nordic right? and like a an a, a wrist mounted shield that kind of like deploys on demand which is pretty interesting and he can like throw the axe right yeah you can throw the axe and it comes back to you magically like it's some sort of a magical elf made axe mm-hmm. um so he, he can he can throw the axe and and pull it back to him and you can fight with or without the axe, and then it's just your fists and the shield. <laughs> so, like, Kratos will be beating the living crap out of somebody, and then, like, he'll, like, deploy the shield and beat him in the face. Um, and then he still has the Spartan Rage ability from previous games where, like, you click down both of the sticks if you have your rage meter up high enough, and he'll just beat the living crap out of anything. But he just uses his fists this time around. Before, it would, like, empower your blades and... You know, mm. you'd beat the crap out of it. But in this one, he'll just put his axe away and just start wailing on people mm. with his fists. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. I heard it's a little bit more of an RPG. Yeah, it is. Um, his axe is, like, upgradable. Uh, you have to choose which talent trees you spend mm. your experience on. Um, he he can get different armor that actually has different stats. So you're playing the stat game in this one. Like, do I want the armor that you know adds in strength or do i want more defense or do i want more runic ability which is kind of like the the magical abilities that the axe has mm-hmm. it's interesting I'm, I'm not used to having to do that kind of stuff on a god of war game there there was a little bit of that in a previous one where you could you know you could choose to power up the blades of chaos versus uh some of the magic that he would acquire throughout the game but you didn't have to worry about like armor stats or like which talisman or which uh axe handle are you going to have on on your axe and stuff like that so that's cool it is it is a bit different um but in a good way i, I like it a lot um it, it was very difficult putting it down to come to this recording <laughs> are, well, you, are you a subscriber to stargate command the stargate streaming service no i am not no all of it is on Hulu. I don't see the point. Is it really? Yeah, I've got oh. <laughs> I've got Hulu. Hulu has SG1. It's got Atlantis. It's got Stargate Universe. 
don't see the point because yeah. they've been they've been bombarding me with ads on youtube for whatever really? reason and i'm just it's just like all stargate movies i'm like i only remember one real movie it's like well tv movies too I'm like, oh okay <laughs> and then <laughs> it responds to doug's voice in real time yeah, yeah that's how because like, that's the future yeah you know and and it's like every show and i'm like there's only like four three or four shows really and like i don't even know if i would subscribe to like if you if you said oh right, there's a Star Trek streaming service every Star Trek movie ever made and every Star Trek show and dude episode, I have Netflix right that's the thing. <laughs> it's like I already have that but even if Netflix didn't have that say and Hulu didn't have it would it really be worth it you know what I mean like to to, to get all that and yeah. with Stargate as as cool as it is it's even less yeah. so like I couldn't imagine doing a monthly thing for wait it. what about Stargate is less there's less of Stargate oh, than okay. there is of Star I was Trek. gonna say. Like, I thought you were implying that its worth was less, <laughs> no, and no, I was no, going to no. get mad. No, no, I'm not saying. I'm not, uh, okay, no, I'm, I'm just implying saying, that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Trent. There, there's there's way less movies and there's way less episodes of a show, so it's like a monthly thing. I feel like if I really wanted to, I could breeze through it like in no time, and then be like, "All right, I've seen it. Why do I want to keep? <laughs> you could binge it all in a month. Yeah, and it's like why do I want to maintain the subscription? The, the monthly the monthly subscription. Or you could subscribe to Hulu. And have other stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Do you have old shirts, shirts that are nerdy but have holes in them or simply are too stretched out from wearing them over the last one, two, or even five years? Well, boy howdy, do I have a suggestion for you. Toss out your old crummy clothes or don't donate to a thrift store. I mean, come on. Replace them with genuine nerdy show t-shirts. Yes, you heard me right. You too can replace your faded Mario or Game of Thrones tees with the likes of your favorite nerdy show network show. Show support for nerdy show? To your friends, uh, just get a picador and astound all around you with its glory. So eliminate the ragged shirts of yesteryear and replace your wardrobe with the shirts that Nerdy Show has to offer. Just follow the links at nerdyshow.com slash nerdystore. <laughs> that was a, a poorly read advertisement brought to you by Jeffrey McSorley, who is a Patreon subscriber who has yeah, asked you, that you we... You said, let me ask you a question, and I was genuinely ready to answer, but you didn't slow down. <laughs> I'm sorry. And now you're not going to get that answer. Damn it! <laughs> Shit! <laughs> the question was, do you have any poor old shirts? And you, no. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was it. <laughs> well, I'm not sorry for this. I take care of my clothes. SCMA Bookstore, 1112 Stephen Matt, Street. You, you were literally reading the same receipt from last time. <laughs> it's still on the table. <laughs> <sighs> Doug, file that in your taxes. It's a business expense. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> You should see the things. I didn't think I was going to get that much mileage out of that, j- that bit. <laughs> well, if you dig the show, if you dig the shows we put out here on the Nerdy Show Network, you should definitely support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdy show. Since our last full cast recording, we do have three new patrons to give shout outs to. Well, please welcome Daniel Taylor, Josh Hufford, and Robert Underwood. Welcome. Welcome one and all. We also want to give a shout out to Kutsushita, who provided us with a $50 donation. Very, very kind of you. Damn. And uh, and I want to tell everybody, hey, look, um, we need your help. We do need your help very much. Now, we realize that Nerdy Show, the Nerdy Show Network has been putting out less of the shows that you love. The uh, Dungeons and Doritos, Ghostbusters Resurrection are both on hiatus. We're still in production for Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program Season 2. But 
in order to complete all that stuff, in order to help fund the release of those things, um, we do still need a sustained amount. And we are at this point on our Patreon um, very close to being at uh, the point where we're not making any money. We are just making ends meet. And by making money, I mean generating income that we can throw at sound design, editing, and all the other stuff that we need to 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 make those to make sure those shows can come back. So I recognize that those shows aren't coming out now, but if you do support us on Patreon, you are investing in funds that will be largely spent on the development of those shows. Like that's that's where the money goes for the most part is into stuff like that. Um so please do consider it. Even a dollar a month helps. That's just twelve dollars a year. That's nothing, and you get early releases for whatever comes out, including Ghostbusters Resurrection. It hasn't happened yet, but um, but sooner or later, before we release it to the world, Ghostbusters Resurrection episodes will be available on the Patreon. Simply because we don't want to put them out to the public until we're ready to resume a regular schedule, and mm-hmm. it could be multiple months in between when Doug is finished editing these suckers. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they are done, they'll be available to patrons right away yeah one other unfortunate thing is that it seems for the time being matasm the artist for our ghostbusters resurrection art is going to have to step back he's got a lot of things going on in his life he recently not so very long ago had twins Mm -hmm. um so we need a new artist for ghostbusters resurrection and um i haven't really started searching yet but if anyone has any ideas for someone who can match the uh the style and and integrity of what matasm has done over the years we would appreciate that very much um that would be you know some that's a a paying gig and another thing we need to spend money on but uh it's something worth doing i mean if hey we're not going to stop the release of the show if all of a sudden we've got all the episodes ready to rock and no art for it we're going to put them out with a standard issue image (laughs) but we do love having that artwork we love uh having those things visualized like that so uh if you if you have any recommendations please do let us know and also, speaking of recommendations, I recommend that April 27th through 29th, if you're anywhere near New York City or looking for an excuse to go to New York City, you go to Coney Island and check out the Nerdlesque Festival. That's a fest that Lefty Lucy has been putting on the past several years. This year features 32 of the best nerdy burlesque performers around the globe. No kidding, this is an international thing with where they submit their acts and all that so if you want to see the nerdiest nudiest shows you're ever going to see you definitely want to hit up the nerdlesque festival it's at the nerdlesquefest.com and i I don't know about that hungnerds.com hungnerds.com does not exist i have not bought the url and also i'm not sure we've established the gag on nerdy show we've had we we? must have before yeah we've done it before (laughs) But the Nerd Less Fest is a real thing at nerdlessfest.com, and it's happening April 27th to 29th, and also happening every single year. If you miss it this year, plan for it next year. Chuglin. Chugle on down to Coney Island. <laughs> we still got buyyourwaytocool.com, right? Of course we do. Why don't we have hungnerds.com? Because I don't want to spend nerdy <laughs> show money on that. If someone wants to buy hungnerds.com for us, where we can, I don't know, redirect it to a picture of Matt, <laughs> a.k.a. Trench, uh, then... Uh, I'll do it, and I'll make it about suicide. Oh. oh. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that got dark. Very quickly. Um, also, if you if there's no money that you have to spend, we do understand... You, you do, however, probably shop for things on Amazon, so please do consider using our Amazon links at nerdyshow.com slash Amazon. We have... A U.S. store, a U.K. store, a Canada store, and uh, or well, we have links to those storefronts through our affiliate links, and that helps us a lot. Um, 
we at least net around 100 bucks a month from that and that's a good thing but we can't rely on that because it's based on people buying stuff and uh um also you can spend a little time on us rate and review us on itunes or soundcloud itunes is of course still the number one place for podcast discovery and we sure could use your help it has been a very long time since we have had a review from itunes to read or even just a new rating rating super easy you can just hop on there and click uh, click five stars and that'll do us a world of good and it's very simple but if you want to leave a rating we will read it there's also Podchaser where you can rate interview specific episodes like how for example barry i did for our one of our prior episodes, the one where I talked to Eric Burnham, the writer of Ghostbusters, and uh, Tom Waltz, the writer of Ninja Turtles over at IDW Comics, about the weirdest iterations and incarnations and characters of the Ninja Turtles. Barry, I said, exploring the intricacies of the weirder parts of the Turtles universe makes for some interesting listening. As always, I love the podcast. Thanks, Barry, I. I mean, we're probably short on time by now, but have you ever talked about the most recent like designs for the Turtles? Um, I have not. Outside of having talked with Kevin Eastman, the creator of Turtles, about it in the um, one of the, the shows we put out recently was a conversation between myself, Kevin Eastman, Tom Waltz, who I just mentioned, and uh, uh, Benjamin Bishop, the, uh, uh, the one of the Turtles artists, where he, they, they talk about how, like, you know, we've seen the new show. Um, it's going to be like it's, you know, trust us. It's actually like it's, it's quite compelling. Everyone has reservations every time that they resurrect the Turtles and so on and so forth. Um, I personally have not uh, shared my feelings on the, the new Turtles designs. I don't reject the art style overall. I do think the shape of the Turtles' heads is a little weird, mm-hmm. like in a kind of way that I feel like isn't doesn't gel with each other. Having them all be different species of Turtles. This is a show, a new show on Nickelodeon called Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, it uh, they're all all the turtles are are different species because they're all you know just a bunch of I don't know if they're changing their origins at all but presumably you know there's still a, a bowl of turtles that get exposed to mutagen and it doesn't have to be the origin it could be something completely different but um like Leo's a red slider and has like red streaks across his eyes and Raph is a snapping turtle and he's hulking and gigantic and is for some reason the leader of the team in this iteration yeah that was the, is that Raph's the the leader and that. Donatello is a hover bike for April. What? No, he's not. There's that image where he's got like the he's basically he's giving April a ride on his shell where he's got all this techno stuff attached to him. He's basically a hover bike. Well, there's there's a still. Um, I believe that Donnie's flying on his own and April is independently riding a hover bike, which I imagine Donnie built. But uh, and that one, it was like she he was she was riding on him. Maybe I need to look at it again. I didn't, I don't, I'm not sure about that. (laughs) Um, But I I like April's design a lot. I like, I think I might like the human designs more than the turtle designs. Um, I don't love Splinter's design either. He's very, very short and squat. And I mean, Kevin Eastman says he's actually quite funny. Or maybe it was Tom Waltz who said it. I don't recall. But I'll wait and see. I mean, the turtles are continually rebooted in extremely dramatic ways. And though I like the prior series, they're, they're certainly criticisms i could leverage against that as well um but i haven't liked any of them as much as i've, I've liked the uh, 2003 series right there right there show show me that uh, is interesting okay yeah um you're you're right matt i did not realize that donatello's shell flipped up and turned into a hover bike that april could ride i thought that donatello was in the foreground and uh and april was in the background i did not realize these two things were connected that's uh, that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's very unfortunate. Though it seems like maybe a neat action figure, but uh, but that's unfortunate. 
<laughs> now, um, well, I mean, you, you know, you, you mentioned the 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 uh, Stargate subscription service. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, boy, they could easily do that for the turtles. And unlike Stargate, there's a bunch of things that are rare enough that people wouldn't be e- able to easily get a hold of them. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That would be that would be interesting. I don't know that I I would spend money on necessarily because I've kind of I have what I want, but. There, there's no good way to watch the 2003 Turtle series that I know of right now, and it's incredible, and it's many hundreds of episodes long. And certainly, if you want to indulge in some very, um, there, there's a few other random one-off ones that were like, uh, I remember I went on a uh, a binge of uh, Turtles animated opening sequences. Like I watched the original, and it's like related videos. This one, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a 2003 one, and then there's other ones that I hadn't even heard of, and there's other ones in different languages, and I'm like, are these the same show? It was really strange. There, I mean, there's a lot. There is a lot, including that time that Power Rangers and Turtles crossed over. You know, like, yeah. So that 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 could be a thing, I, but I don't really see that franchise specific subscription services are going to go anywhere. I think the Stargate one is going to fail miserably because there's ways for people to get that content otherwise. You know, um, mm-hmm. I I don't know. Maybe they're hoping that they could do well. Uh, well, I do have to say, I, one thing I sh- probably should have mentioned about it was that it was launching a new show with it. Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. There's Stargate Origins. Yeah, uh, which is like a prequel to all of the Stargates. Yeah, it's it's how they found the original Stargate on Earth. I and, did um, not know that. Yeah. Hmm. So I guess if you're if you're a big fan, you're like, well, I want to see that new show, and these other stuff is a bonus. So sure, you know. Then I, I guess don't even so. is that out yet. I saw the trailer for it. I don't know if it's uh, out and ready. I'm not 100% sure it's that it's soon, out if yet. not if well, not already. Isn't it, I mean, like, isn't it weird that CBS would do their thing with Star Trek Discovery and not do, you know, a Star Trek-wide thing? But Disney, of course, is, like, next year putting out the Disney subscription service, which is not just Disney animated films and television, you know, live-action stuff as well, but also Star Wars and also Marvel. Oh, no. So they're probably going to take it all off Netflix. Oh, that's for that's guaranteed. We know uh, that. I mean, they've already. Oh no, it's with Redbox. They've got an ongoing legal dispute because Redbox was like, you know, buying the has the, it's some kind of distribution issue. But basically, Disney doesn't want stuff to be on Redbox anymore. Hmm. Hmm. I'd imagine it's quality control because you have a you have a skipped uh, you know skipping disc, which is probably what happens more often than not with Redbox. And uh, that's a more of a people like I've I think never, it's, it's got to do with like the stuff that they put in the vault and it's a limited release so you can't oh. get it. So they don't want, you know, you to just be able to rent it on Redbox. That is that's a very good point. I was going to say for but Redbox for me, I've never had a problem with it just skipping on Redbox. I know some people like it's all that ever happens to them. But well, Blu-rays are like scratch resistant. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe that is the difference. Written Blu-rays over written DVDs. I don't know. One last thing before we go. Um there's a Labyrinth comic that's out now, an ongoing, well, maybe not ongoing, probably a limited series. Um, they've done Labyrinth comics in the past. They've been usually one-off things, but this one is different. Uh, mostly those are just tales from around the Labyrinth and in and around the time period that Sarah was saving her brother. This is called Labyrinth Coronation, and uh, it is the story of how Jareth came to be the Goblin King, which I, as a longtime Labyrinth fan, was extremely resistant to. I... 
you know, why do we need to know that? The same prequel problem that we have time and time again, I'm uninterested in hearing how that was the thing that happened. Why is he not just, you know, an entity from, you know, with his own explanation, but, you know, like, why would he have ties to origins on Earth even though he's human? Maybe he's not. He turns into an owl after all. <laughs> um, how do we know what he is? In early drafts of the script, and I don't think they ever ended up filming it, but they came damn close. When Sarah, like, says you have no power over me at the end, he he shrinks into a pile of clothes and a little goblin scrabbles away out, out there. He doesn't turn into an owl and fly off. Like, he was just, like, an, a very powerful goblin. Hmm. Um, so we don't, you know, we don't know what he is, but now we definitively do. But the thing is, though, this book is great. Um, it's a really, it's really good. I actually have, I have no regrets now. I came into it with extreme skepticism. It's written by Simon Spurrier, who's done a lot of work that I liked, including the recent, uh, sci-fi series Angelic about a bunch of, uh, genetically engineered animals on a, uh, destroyed earth where no humans are left. And it's like, uh, uh, it's a bunch of flying monkeys versus like manatees in these like hover pods. <laughs> and, and it's super cool. But th- this labyrinth book, it, it largely it takes place so far in um, in Venice, um, which is appropriate because the first time I ever went to Venice, uh, I was like, "This is so weird. This is exactly like labyrinth. I can't find my way anywhere. It's like a maze, and huh. it's all like kind of looks like the labyrinth. Maybe this is the inspiration. Maybe it was because it appears to be a massive like touchstone for for this book, and perhaps an explanation why the that Venetian style has bled over into the Jareth era." of the labyrinth itself and uh i'm not going to go into it more because there's lots of unexpected things but it's very uh it's very neat and went in a lot of uh, directions i did not expect two issues so far head to your local comic shop well all right then folks we'll see you next week in which we're going to be discussing creative video games video games that enable you to um to to make art old school ones so minecraft minecraft is touched on but like before before that like creative suites like mario paint and we're going to be speaking with uh, a person from fan gamer jazzy benson who is a mario paint animator on the, the scale of you've never you've never witnessed before you've never seen mario paint animation like this so we're going to be talking with her about about what she does and then also about a, a bunch of other bizarre pieces of software that let you create in the early 90s and late 80s. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.